Rob, would you say that you believe working pros possess important secrets to sustainable success? Yeah. That's why, one, they're working pros, and two, they're still in the industry. So absolutely, I would say that. So why do we focus on education from working pros in the industry? Because we want people to have the best opportunity to become not only a working pro, but a sustainable, in the game for a long time, working pro. And why do you think it's good to diversify your knowledge from different ways to light things and understand different oh, photographic hell, you're, you're, processes. Yeah, you're speaking my language again. You want you want to enhance your brain waves because there are so many different ideas that other people have that you should put in your brain because it's going to spark stuff in your brain that's going to all of a sudden come out onto some sort of paper photograph that you can put out there in the world that's going to blow people's minds. I couldn't couldn't agree better, and that's why we put together ProEDU.com, and that's why we are given access to every single tutorial that we've ever made for for one low cost per month or per year when you and when you subscribe per year it's cheaper that's amazing that's amazing we should do a value add like if you subscribe you get corn nuts shipped to your house every month oh rob Grimm, i love corn nuts barbecue or regular oh, could we do bugles too oh my god i love bugles i love barbecue. you put them on your fingers and they become the pointy little things you know it's like you got these talons on your on your hands so proedu.com now offers subscription and streaming access to everything. But we've also been, we've also in the last year have been coming out with post-production tools. Why don't you explain what those are to me? Well, we're going to stick with this accent, aren't we? I, I can't get out of it now. <laughs> I'm stick. Well, you see, your images aren't done when they come out of camera now, are they? They need some post-production work, a little sprucing up. Sometimes you need to clip four or five or six images together into one, what they call a composite. It's not like compost, but it's a composite. There's a difference. Uh, and then you need some you need some overlays, and you need some other kinds of sprucing up, like curves and, and levels and that kind of stuff. So you like need a to, texture? Oh, textures are good, too. We got textures. We got textures. They're artisanal textures. Pure artisanal textures. They're farm-to-table textures. <laughs> made with sustainability in mind of textures. <laughs> They're... <laughs> Oh, I have broken Rob Grimm. <laughs> I'm trying to get this out, but they are naturally farmed, pure artesian artisan textures. Well, and you, Rob, you need those to make your images the best they can be. That's all there is to I it. I couldn't agree more. And if you're a photographer or a retoucher, if you go to ProEDU.com, you can have access to everything we've ever made from all the working pros that we've ever worked with for one low price per month. Or you could pay per year and get access to everything. Oh, hell. Set it and forget it. That is amazing. Yeah. And where do they find out this information? They go to proedu.com, P-R-O-E-D-U.com. That is brilliant, Rob Grimm. I love it. Why don't we get into this next Let's hear what this next guest has to say. Welcome to the Pro EDU Podcast, where Rob and Gary talk and drink with your favorite photographers. So grab yourself a cold sarsaparilla and saddle up. In this episode, we're sitting down with another retoucher from the UK, David Neelands. David, hey. thank you for joining us. Thank you, thank you for having and me. Also, Rob Grimm's still awake. Oh yeah. After last night, you remember swinging off that chandelier last night? No, but I tend not to remember those things. Man, you were woo, three or, sheets. Did I have clothes on or not? No, no pants. That was crazy. A shirt, got, but no pants? Got, shirt, but no pants. Now, that's to me something different for me. Yeah. You wear, wearing trousers or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no trousers. No trousers. They don't call them no trousers, Rob, for nothing. Drop trow. <laughs> David, thank you for joining us again. Um, let's start with your work. What? How do you 
how do you describe yourself? What kind of work do you do? Um, at the moment, I'm mainly focusing on the editorial and commercial retouching, um, but I don't like to typecast myself as any particular thing. I call myself as a general retoucher. Uh, I like to do whatever I can, as long as it's creative and it's something which I like the look of. Yeah. So what's paying the bills? Um, editorial and editorial commercial. Yeah. And commercial. Is it about 50-50 or do you do one more than the other? Well, uh, what's paying the bills? The commercial's paying more of the bills than yeah. the editorial, but it's a pretty even split, though, for time-wise. Yeah. Who are most of your clients? What are you working on? Oh, um, Nike's one of my clients, one of my big clients at the moment, doing a lot for Nike Europe, um, Puma, um, a publication for like Vogue, Elle, Harper's Bazaar. Oh, so the small names. ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah got, some, got some cool covers coming out in the next few months. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. So how did you get into that work? How are you, how are you getting that work? Oh, um, well, I suppose... I find it as like it's a product of my failures. I failed so many times at doing it and showing it to people that eventually I got to a stage where people wanted to work with me, help me get better myself. And I've I've reached out to a few different people and people reached out to me and it's just all kind of come together in the past kind of 18 months where people are actually more coming to me now than me approaching them. So your career pretty recently it's taken off would you say or? yeah i mean it's taken off but i mean it's been development from quite a while ago i like to think back of when my life turned down this journey into into doing like retouching and it kind of starts from music from djing and i'll be djing in the clubs at the weekend but i'll also be taking my camera with me so i'll be taking pictures then i'll be doing photoshop work on those then the club would have those then i started working with like music magazines and going to events especially for uh, for photographing them hmm. then i kind of fell out of love with photography for a few years put it down then i fell out of love why what what was it about photography that you were not liking i think time? it was more because i was doing it it was a passion of mine then it became a bit of a a job and hmm. i didn't like necessarily working with the club promoters at the time it was a bit stressful going up and down the country on a friday and saturday night and it's just like this is not my passion anymore is becoming a bit more of a, a grind. A task. Yeah. yeah. So I put the camera down for a few years and moved away with my girlfriend. Um, then when we moved back, I had an opportunity to um, buy a house. And I bought a house and I moved in with my girlfriend's parents. Now, my girlfriend's dad was kind of like the fashion photographer everyone wanted to be in like the 70s and 80s. Really? Wait, how did yeah. you buy a house and move in with your girlfriend's parents? Because it needed so much work. We literally yeah. bought this house and we ripped it back to the oh, shell gotcha. of the house. Right. Oh, gotcha. And so, it was like a complete project. Yeah. So is he a famous photographer or we know his name? He's a photographer. He's not yeah. a famous photographer, right. but he was working for like big car manufacturers and getting all the local, well, the... Uh, UK sort of Vogue L covers and things like that at the mm -hmm. time. So, yeah, it's pretty big. So it's quite a big influence on my work and telling me that I was wrong <laughs> in what I was doing. <laughs> That's good. It's good to have somebody who can give you that kind of brutal honesty. And Definitely, you, especially you someone who you can kind of respect. I mean, he'd done it all before. And um, it was good because he would tell me what was wrong and he would rely on me to go off and research it myself to find out why it was right. wrong. And is he now your father-in-law? Yeah, he is, yes. Yeah. So that worked out. Yeah, definitely. When you guys left, where did you go? You said you moved away for a few years. I uh, moved down to Brighton on the south coast. Oh, my yeah. girlfriend wanted to do a final year of a degree by the beach. So we went down there and um, we ended yeah. up staying three years. <laughs> what were you doing down there? I was uh, normal sort of jobs, really, working on phones and the call centers and doing bits of graphic design as well on the side. I, li awesome. I like to call myself a graphic designer then, but... I'll 
looking back of it, it wasn't really a job. <laughs> so let's go back to DJing. Yeah. How long did you do that? Oh. And what's started. on your what's on your playlist? Well, my music's kind of changed so much since then. I mean, I started DJing must have been like '97. Then, kind of, it was house music and the electronic music. I suppose now it's kind of all branched under EDM, um, and that was a good time. Yeah, it was a messy time. Why? <laughs> what was happening? Well, it's just a club scene in general, and. Yeah. Well, what's it kind of expected of you? Just yeah. gotta gotta work so hard, long hours. So you'd work, and um, I'll be on the road, say on a Friday night at like six o'clock in the afternoon. Then I may have to go to like two or three different clubs at very different locations around the country in Ooh, one night. In one night? Yeah, yeah, to play different sets. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so it was it was quite brutal. And so tough. you'd play one until like midnight, and then get in a car, drive an, an hour to somewhere else. Yeah, drive from it. like Birmingham to London to do another yeah. set at like three o'clock in the morning (laughs) then get back home so it's really tiring yeah those are rough hours yeah but a lot of fun yeah (laughs) so what was the early work that allowed you to transition from that job and and finally you know quit being a dj and and say like you know i'm a retoucher full-time okay so i stopped djing probably around about 2008 but i didn't actually become a retoucher until like i wouldn't call it it as my full full profession until like 2014 maybe so there's quite a long gap in between there, but I was doing. I did have. Did you go to my, prison? Were you in, no, were no, prison? no, no. Well, I was the prison of my uh, my f- photography studio because <laughs> I actually had my own studio for a couple of years. Okay. Yeah. What were you shooting? Uh, fashion, local yeah. business sort of stuff as well. But where I live, it's very hard to be a fashion photographer because there's not the resources of the stylist and the makeup artist, not the quality which you really want. I could shoot it, but it wasn't really work which i wanted to produce it's not mm-hmm. like you can see in the magazine it's you're working with the local people you could bring people in from outside but it's it's a cost issue to some yeah, extent to produce this kind of work i mean obviously yep. you can produce work for for minimal costs but you need to have those resources already at hand i mean i didn't know any makeup artists or stylists in the area because there just weren't that many here so I kind of had to stop doing the whole fashion side of things. So did you decide to move into retouching at that point versus moving to, say, London or somewhere where there's more of an epicenter for what you wanted to do as a photographer? Yeah, my wife flat out didn't want to move away from her family. Oh, is that right? All right, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I was kind of stuck living where that was, which I was happy to do. Right. Because, I mean, we eventually got married and we've got got children now. So, um, How many kids do you guys have? Uh, one and one on the way during ah. the like, next two months. Congratulations, yeah. that's awesome. Do you know if it's a boy or a girl? Don't. It's just going to be trouble. That's what Ooh. it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not looking forward to the lack of sleep again. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, those are hard days, but they're good days. They are. They yeah. are. They're the ones which you, uh, which you forget, <laughs> unfortunately, just through tiredness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, you're, it's by nature that you forget that stuff. Otherwise, you wouldn't do it again. Yeah, I know, hard. I know. I know. Yeah. It's just like the realization in the past couple of weeks. It's like how am I actually going to do this? Because I work from home. and Ooh, You're screwed, dude. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to do? Get an office? Well, <laughs> Get a little studio and go somewhere else. I know. It's, it's just so convenient, just rolling out of bed, having breakfast, putting the kettle on, then rolling back up the stairs to turn the computer on. Right. <laughs> do you find it hard to get motivated when it's that easy to relax and just... No, I'm really focused with my work. Um, which is kind of strange because I wasn't really focused in my work like 10 years ago because I obviously hadn't found what I really wanted to do in life 
and it took this like journey of discovery to get to retouch into like this is what I want to do this is what I focus all my energy on and it's paying off what is it about retouching that that has really kicked in for you like this is what I want to do this is why my energy is going why are you so drawn to it um I've always been like fascinated with doing things in the process of things and Mm -hmm. starting off with somebody else's I suppose you call it a blank canvas of their image and turning it into what they desire and putting my own kind of crazy spin on it uh, because I couldn't do this with my film photography work the retouching outlet gave me the ability to do that to be able to produce the work which I could be proud of so let's talk a little bit about the the covers you have or the clients like what does that back and forth look like with the photographer are you direct uh, working directly with the client what is that relationship um like? i mean it's pretty relaxed with the editorial sort of stuff it's just like with the photographers and they'll be like yeah we want this and then, and then i do that and they make come back revisions i mean they've come to me because of my style so they already yeah behind me of what i want to do in like my vision with commercial clients is a bit different i mean the nature of a commercial client is you have to expect that they are going to be completely unpredictable, what they're going to want. Um, There's lots and lots and more back and forth between them. And say one image, which could take you 10 hours to do, they actually go, actually, we're not going to use that anymore. Or we actually just want to yeah, lots scrap of changes. half the image. Yeah, it's, revisions are crazy on them. But it's, uh, it's worth it. I mean, you've got to please them. Right. How do you bill for the back and forth, for the unexpected? Is that written into your contract or...? Do you keep billing for every revision? I mean, generally, my co- my commercial work is a lot higher rate than the editorial stuff because there's that expectance that you are going to have to be a lot more involved with it. It's going to take a lot more time. And deadlines are normally crazy short, mm-hmm. and there's a lot more pressure involved in it. But it's Who, like, what... T- in terms of, like, geography, are you working for people all over the world? Or is yes. it primarily yes. Europe? Um, all over the world. Um, yeah. Mainly states in Europe. Uh, got a few clients in Australia as well, but... How does it how does it differ from Australia to Europe to America? Is it different language in terms of, like, the back and forth and what's expected or styles? No, I mean, styles... I mean, there is, to some degree, regional kind of styles, what people prefer. Like, Europe and America tend to prefer the uh, more natural kind of look of things, whereas a bit more Far East and, like... Um, Eastern Europe is a bit more processed a bit more with things how they're like mm-hmm. so there is that kind of difference so someone in say uh, Eastern Europe that might be a slightly different price for them for the same image to do in Western Europe because they actually want more work doing for the same image that makes sense yeah because the different styles you said that people come to you for your style define yourself like who, what is your style as a retoucher well that's kind of interesting because I I personally prefer doing a lot more natural things, mm-hmm. uh, having it very natural. I, I I like that the perfection is in the imperfections in the image, mm. and you you shouldn't be able to look at an image and see that it's been retouched too much. I mean, there's the expectation that every magazine cover, every editorial has been retouched, so you have got a little bit of leeway to go with there, right. but you want to keep it as natural as possible from my personal experience anyway. Yeah, the, the world of retouching is is difficult when it comes to editorial beauty because you can go too far. Oh, definitely. Uh, and there's a lot of backlash on on giving very unrealistic looks at who people are because mm. um, they can't achieve that naturally. Yeah. So where do you stand on the, on that issue? Um, I mean, with celebrities, it's got to be very natural. You've got to keep everything on themselves with 
with more commercial stuff who aren't celebrities and you can kind of push it a bit further but I personally prefer the much more natural way of doing things it uh I, I would prefer the industry to take a bit of a step back with how they process things in general but I mean we've kind of got to go with what the art directors want yeah I was gonna say who do you <laughs> think is the driver of that is that coming more from clients and art directors or is it coming from retouchers or both it's it? I wouldn't say it's the retouchers I'd say it's definitely the clients yeah and maybe um, the general standard of what people expect from that say like a a cosmetic company expect a certain look to things perfection yeah which so is you can, you that can hear, kind you of can hear the, the jingling ice of matt's yeah. cocktail yeah. <laughs> so certain brands and, and even publications have moved towards no retouching and the complete straight out of camera does that scare you not really no i think, think it's a trend to be i think it is a trend i think there's a lot of backlash in it at the moment and it's been very all over social media they're, they're all Everything's been retouched. It's horrible. Can't do it. It's so un unattainable. But I think even those images have been retouched to an extent, but not necessarily the retouching which you would think, or oh, they've used frequency separation or they've dodged and burned it. They may have removed um, temporary marks like uh, spots mm -hmm. or hairs, which are like a stray. That's still retouching. Yeah. But it's not been over-retouched. I think there's a difference between the two. Yeah, they're more of somebody's body. But they're definitely. cleaning things up. Yeah, definitely. Do you think that's setting the wrong standards for, let's say, young women? Morphing bodies, yeah. I, I think that that's a, a tough one. Are you a if, body morpher? If you can't achieve no, that. Not no, not really. <laughs> not a body morpher. No, I don't are have to you? do much liquefying. No. Yeah. It's very rare. It's, it's normally just clothes, actually, more than anything else than actual people. Just making sure that the clothes fit because, say, on editorial, they just get sent certain clothes which may not be the right size for the model. Oh, we've got to fix that. Yeah. What, yeah. What's been your hardest assignment where you... First ever job for Nike. It was so the photographer was shooting. They just call it Nike. Nike, here. I know. Yeah, they dropped the E. They dropped the E. Yeah, yeah, everyone in England calls it Nike, but why is that? I don't know. They just do. Although N people at Nike. Nike call N -I -E -K. it Nike. Right. N I E K. Nike. Nike. Yeah. Right. They move Nike. the E. Yeah. They, it's they, not that they drop it. They move it. Yeah, they don't it. lose it. They just replace it. Yeah. I like Ritz. it. But Nike do say it's Nike. We're learning so much. We're gonna go back <laughs> with the best accent ever oh lovely oh, mate. great yeah <laughs> right yeah. you just keep practicing yeah. you do the whole podcast thing, like that yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah the first job for nike was insane because the photographer saw my work he saw actually saw some uh some educational content which i produced and he contacted me and he was uh, like okay i've got this job in two weeks time it's i'm shooting three different countries for nike and it's going to be approximately 100 images, and they need it within four weeks. Well, e each each country had a deadline mm -hmm. itself. It was spread over like four weeks. And some of the work involved in that was crazy. Because they say they shot one of the images, it was in Turkey. It was on top of this roof. And there was a uh, mosque in the background, which had currently, at the time, it had um, some building work going on to it. So it was covered in like green sort of fences. So they wanted, like, yeah, we don't want that there. So, but it is there. Yeah. Is there another shot I can use where it's not there? Is it? No, no, we can't get that, but you need to sort it out. So, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> How are they going to do that? So that took a lot of trial and error to try and do that because that's, that's the first time I'd ever had to do something like that. It's kind of interesting because when you start out as a retoucher, you're doing lots of more of these type of fixes, removing things, but mm -hmm. as you kind of develop and you get better clients, you're actually doing less work less to some removal. degree. Yeah. So you it kind of lose that little bit of doing that, like, oh, I've got to fix this. 
Are you ever on set with the photographer to make sure that you're getting the assets you need? I actually was on set for the first time with Nike um, about a month ago down in London when they're shooting the new campaign for some the football first beats. time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Do you find are the photographers requesting this or the clients or are you pushing it? So Nike wanted to be able to have the images within an hour of them being shot. They were shooting some like high-profile celebrities, for, like soccer stars. Um, so they wanted them straight away. It was easier for me to be there and just do it on set while they're shooting and just get them sent off into their, uh, to their marketing department. Yeah. yeah. It, it always seems like that retouchers are just putting out fires and fixing problems that the photographers created. Why aren't retouchers on set more often? Um, I suppose it's the added cost of it. I found when I was working, yeah, when I was working for Nike on on set, it was most of the day I was I was just sitting around. I was I didn't actually start retouching until like four o'clock in the afternoon, and I was there the day before yeah. from like the afternoon. <laughs> it's great for you. Oh yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's yeah, well, coffees. <laughs> <laughs> so how many images do you say you you know work on a week? To uh, around about thirty, I'd say. 30. What do yeah. you think the limit is, or what, what do you say no to at what point? Um, or do you have other people working for you to source it out? I do. If there's some jobs I can source out for, I will. Um, but some clients I, I take complete control of and do that. But I may get um, someone to help me with a certain part of the process, say just like the basic cleaning. Yeah. And then they'll send me back the laid file, then I'll kind of take it further. But. Um, I, I can't do that with my commercial clients because they're expecting me to do it, which is fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I only do that for people who know that they're actually, that's happening. I wouldn't like go behind their back and say that's, I'm farming out to somebody else although you've asked me to do it. Right. Yeah, you don't want them to know that. <laughs> no, well, I wouldn't do that to them if that's like uh, breaching their trust, really. How do you see the retouching industry changing? Where do you think it's going? Yeah, that's kind of interesting because there was something on social media about a month ago where there was like this CGI like campaign, I mean, it looked fake. You could tell it was kind of CGI, but is it going that way? And that's that means there'll be no retouchers, or is the cost involved in that just the actually CGI too high? CGI was a person, right? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. The actual people that weren't real, but yeah, yeah. somewhat real. Yeah. yeah. And um, I think it's always going to be there because it's still been a fundamental of photography since the very first photograph was taken, doesn't it? There's always been retouching, but it's like in the dark room. With yeah, it may have been spot toning or yeah, yeah. it's very different. That's yeah. it. It's, it's always going to be there. And I think you're never going to be able to get rid of that human creative process. Yeah. That, like, I don't think uh, photography is going to go away. No, no, definitely. So I, I don't think CGI can take over the world because it might, it might get a bigger market share, but it's not going to kill photography. People are not going to stop taking pictures. You know why it's no. not? Because creative directors love to travel. <laughs> that's true that's true young creative directors in particular love to like get yeah. out of the town they're in and go yeah. coastal or that's go maybe cool. the only reason why CGI is not going to take over no, well it's, it's just so much more expensive so if you take a look at the film industry it's much more expensive to produce a CGI film than take away like the actors right. than to actually go and shoot it yeah, when is Avatar 2 coming out I don't know I can't wait sake. I've literally God. since that film ended yeah. I've wanted to watch the next one yeah. <laughs> I know Papyrus Papyrus. Did you see that SNL about the, the font they use, Papyrus? Uh -uh. Oh, you got to watch it. Just Google it. Just All right, search I'll it. Google it. Just Google it. Do you know Could how Google works? Go no. Actually, will you show me after this? Yes. Because I don't... You, as long as you remember your password. No, you got to tell me that too. <laughs> Just send him and let me Google that. Yeah. You link. <laughs> so, so CGI, you don't... Are you losing work to CGI artists? 
Um, I don't think I'm in a position to be able to say that because it's. I don't feel as if it's personally affect me. It may affect no. other people, but I'm. I'm still as my business and brand is still growing. So at the moment, it hasn't impacted me. Yeah. But potentially, could it? I mean, ten years down the line, who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. There's just no saying. What files from what cameras do you like working on the most? Uh, I love phase one files. I used to have a phase one myself. And I just, I just, just the clarity of them and the color reproduction is just amazing. But, um, medium format's awesome. Yeah, well, it is. It's yeah. just that medium format look. You like HASI files? Yeah, they're all right. I'm just not all a massive right. fan of the software which you have to use with it. Yeah. <laughs> Focus has come a long way, though. It's it has got, come it's, a long gotten way. A, it's gotten a lot better. And I think it's starting to really. I think that. that I think that Hasi is realizing that phase is crushing it. Oh yeah, definitely. And it's the software. Oh yeah, Capture you know? One's just yeah. Amazing. Capture One is it's serious business. It's uh, it's such an integral part of my workflow. Yeah, it has been for years. Is it? Is it? Yeah. A, is that's where everything starts for, for you? Yep. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Capture think, One straight away. Do you think it's getting to the point where there's too many pixels and there's too much detail and that's somehow slowing you down? Uh, I mean, it does take longer to retouch medium format files just because there's so much more detail and the color and it's a, uh, and half the time it's not even needed. It's just like, oh yeah, you shot this editorial in medium format. Yeah, it's got that medium format look to it, but pixels are wasted because they're not printing that size. <laughs> yeah, but I like that look. Yeah, know, well, definitely. It's, de it's definitely yeah. different than this is something that's shot on a thirty-five on a oh, DSLR. Definitely. Yeah, uh, it's just d different, different mechanics mm. that that yield a different look. Period. So, I've always been prone to it. I like it. You mm. do like it, but you're not shooting it anymore. Not as much. No. My hossies have been sitting. They're been, collecting dust, Rob. They miss you. They do miss me. I miss them. Yeah. I have to revisit them before I sell them. <laughs> Which ones did you have? <laughs> um, I had the. I started with the H three, uh, two, okay. and then I had an H four sixty. Oh, nice. They're nice. They're nice cameras. I mean, they make. Yeah. They make incredible pictures. Slow and bad focus, though. Are you? Oh yeah, well you can't autofocus those. <laughs> things. I they, mean, they. it's all manual, and yeah, yeah, yeah. it's uh, yeah. If you were doing an autofocus job, yeah, you'd be host. Yeah, couldn't, definitely. Couldn't do focus twice, shoot once. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you think are your biggest strengths as a retoucher? Are you a skin guy, a, a colorist? What What are you best at? Um, skin and color, definitely. I think you've got to be everything to be able to be successful, mm -hmm. because there's no. It's, it's all so important for the one final image which you may produce that there's no one thing greater than the other. So are you weak at something where you're like, man, I wish I could do that better? Or um, you, I mean, you... I don't get to do a lot of compositing work. It would be something which I want to do more down the line. Um, it's just it's just not something which I'd, people come to me. I mean, right. I'd love to be able to branch out and like learn it myself. Like, say, six years ago, I had so much time to learn things and go off and do it myself when I wasn't getting lots of jobs through mm -hmm. that now I get lots of jobs through there's some things I would really love to do I mean I'd even like to branch out and to do video work I just don't have the time though to right. actually learn it <laughs> video work's another whole beast yeah definitely yeah. but it's uh, I think potentially that's something I would like to do down the line it'd be good to kind of look at it more now while yeah. it's it's not the only thing which people want sure so yeah. how do you use conventions like this to your advantage what do you do you teach here do you uh, no, just, I haven't, haven't taught here. I just, just came here to meet people, really. Network? Yeah. The parties. You come yeah. to the parties, don't you? The parties. No, yeah. I haven't been to one of the parties. The last time I'm... Well, it was a couple of years ago. There was, uh, I was here with Pratik, who obviously mm -hmm. your community knows, because I, I worked for him for a couple of years. And um, 
It's actually pronounced Pratic. Pratic. He doesn't want <laughs> he doesn't want people to know that though. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he's never brought caught me out on it. He was gears like. He's really polite. About he is. It. He's so yeah. polite. He's, yeah. he's the the uh, nicest, most polite guy Pratic. on the planet. He yeah. is. He is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's actually he changed my well he, he changed my life for me really. So I was working for um, producing content for the Retouching Academy, mm-hmm. and I got the opportunity to go to the states and meet one of the other guys. Who I was kind of working with with Research Academy, and we got Pratik over with us, and he uh, we spent a couple of days with him. He stayed with us, and at the end of it, it's like you're going to be a retoucher. I was like, okay. He shook up your world. Yeah. Then yeah. six months later, he's like, I want you to work for me. You're nice. going to be my senior retoucher for Solstice. I was like, oh, okay. So you're still doing work for him? Uh, yeah, not so much now because it was really good bringing in that money especially when I just had literally had a baby and it was really good and uh, but I didn't get to promote myself much there I was doing solstice work it wasn't for me to be able to share in my portfolio and I really wanted to branch out and make sure that more for longevity of my my own business that Mm -hmm. I could survive without doing that it's actually in the past couple of weeks that we've just I've taken a bit more of a step back to focus on my own business solely instead of having to um be there at his beck and call. What are the biggest challenges that you face being an independent business guy? Like running your own show, what, what are the biggest challenges for you in building your brand? Um, building a brand, is, I mean, it's getting out there, but I'm, I'm such a bad example of it. I'm so quiet on social media and on the internet. <laughs> a few years ago, I was like really vocal. I was very extrovert, but I think because being a retoucher and being at home all the time, it's actually turned me into a bit of an introvert and I'm no longer so vocal anymore. Hmm. But yeah, I, I tend to contact people privately instead of being all open on like social media and i'll just have a bit of a more of a behind closed doors no, conversation with people there's nothing wrong with that you got myspace uh used to yeah yeah oh yeah myspace back in the 90s we're gonna bring it back yeah we're trying, oh, yeah. We're trying to yeah yeah we never left is it still even there I, yeah oh yeah it's yeah. there that's where our podcast is primarily <laughs> justin timberlake bought it for a while but then i think he sold it off oh really yeah, yeah he was trying to bring it back as a, like, a real music hub yeah, I, don't, I, don't yeah I mean, it was great back in the time. It's just like there were so many like individual social media platforms for specific things. Then kind of Facebook just came along and just like everybody crushed just everybody. Like, what you yeah. do? They just destroyed it. Yeah, remember when Vivo was a thing two weeks ago? Vivo, was it called Vivo? Velo? There's Vine. No. Oh, was it Velo. Velo. V V E V O. Vero. Vero. Remember when Vero was a thing? Are they dead? Two weeks ago, I think so. Wow. I, I never even downloaded it or looked at it. I saw people, oh, yeah, add me. And it's like, oh, yeah, and do I really want to add you for something else which I'm probably not going to use? Yeah, <laughs> it's just too much. Yeah. Do you find yourself hating social media? I find it quite hard to be social on social media. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great statement. I find it hard to be social on social media. Yeah. That's the quote of the day. Yeah. It's, um, it's so like all in the groups, which you can be a part of on Facebook, I don't necessarily feel that anything I could say could be said to somebody which hasn't been told to them before. You're just kind of repeating the same thing to them. So, I mean, I could, I could say stuff for the sake of saying stuff, but, I mean, if they've already been told, I just go, yeah, him, he said it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I get behind him. that. Yeah. He said it. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I, it's weird. I do find it a bit hard to be social on there. Yeah. I find it hard to... Every, every single day I'm using it less and less. Mm. You're on it a lot, though. It's, well, your, it's your jam. That's, that's our work. 
We have to yeah. for work. You're on it way more than me. Yeah, because you don't know your passwords. <laughs> no. And you won't tell me anymore. You used to tell me my passwords, and now yeah. you won't. No, you'll, no, you'll won't. access. It's making me sink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so outside having a, a baby in two months, what, what else is on your horizon? What are the big plans for you to take over the world? I don't know. This is actually something, since you asked me to come on the podcast, I've been thinking what is going to be the next step for me. When I started, I had the, like, these goals of like, oh, yeah, I want to get like a uh, – a, a small time editorial. I want to be printed. I want to hold something in my hand which is printed. It's like, yeah, did that check? I want to, I want to see my my stuff on a on like a, a sign as I walk past down the street. Yeah, got that checked. That's done. Then the kind of like big magazines, like say a Vogue, a commercial client. But now I've got those, and what do I do now? It's you're, kind of you're like at, you're at the apex. Well, no, Make I'm money and support apex. your family. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. But I mean, I need to I need to decide what my goals are going to be. Kind right. of moving forward. We need forward. to get Pratik back here and readjust your life. Just some inspirational. Yeah, <laughs> we, need, we need to get him. You know, making you a plan again. Yeah, I mean, like it, his you're life gonna, coach. You're going to be a video editor. There. A video boom. editor. Boom. Okay, I've been told. You need someone yeah. to tell you. Yeah, I really I want to move more into educational stuff. I love doing the educational stuff. I want to do like one-to-one sort of tutorials and teaching people, but am I limited by my internet at the moment? Yeah, yeah. It's really bad. Hard. Yeah, I, well, I love it. I'm fine doing right. one-to-ones. Um, but my internet upload is one megabyte at the moment. So what? I know. Wait, you, where, do you, where do you exist? live? Jesus. I know. It's, kind of, it's classed as like a woods? rural area, so it's I've got, got 15 d- down. Dial-up. Yeah. One megabyte upload until June. Isn't LTE That, that seems like impossible for a retoucher to oh, do that. Oh, it is. Yeah. So... You know? Two and a half gigabytes of upload files, six hours. Holy. Oh, my God. So, Isn't it faster to drive somewhere? And I know. <laughs> I know, definitely. I do do it. I do do it sometimes. Do you, do you yeah. drive to Starbucks and Drive to my friend's there? house, which is like 11 miles down the road. He's <laughs> got like a really good connection. And get it wow. uploaded. But... I thought the UK was crazy. like first world. Yeah, I mean, like I, this is kind of first world internet. Rural. Yeah. yeah. But, um, Live in the sticks. But only for a few months because they're actually building full fiber optic so I'm going to have gig down, gig upload. Oh, you line. That's a, You're going to be like a real person. I know. Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> Maybe you have to be sociable. <laughs> <laughs> I can't be sociable on social media. My upload's terrible. <laughs> Wait, load the pictures. Can't give you any feedback. <laughs> <laughs> so where can people go to find your work and check you out? Uh, my Instagram's David Needham's Retouching. My website, davidneedham's.co.uk. All the stuff's on there. Um, my Facebook, I don't really update it. I found that it didn't really get much traction oh, yeah. people kind of interact Facebook. with it so Facebook's it's just like, dead yeah business is, pages on Facebook yeah it's just terrible you gotta pay for them yeah pony up pony up suckers so don't follow them on Facebook no, no what about wait. MySpace you want people to go check you out on MySpace oh god I'd hate to think what my pictures would be like on MySpace I mean, um, you and your in your clubbing days yeah definitely I'm sure it's probably surrounded it right right yeah Gary's on it right now oh god I don't even think what my name would have been fill, fill mm. some time while I'm looking at it I'm trying to <laughs> Like, what do you think the most embarrassing picture of you on MySpace is going to be when Gary pulls it up? Like, were you well, were you wearing this... like shiny spandex or something? No, that well, there was this picture of me um, when I was clubbing in Birmingham years ago. I was like sixteen, and there was this like a Radio One, like the big one of the big radio stations over here. They had like a a one live event in Birmingham. There was a big DJ, and there was like this quote: "Is we believe this club is the most colorful club in the country." And there's me with like this like multicolored spiky hair, but like this UV fluorescent like studded sort right. of necklace with like glow sticks. It's like, oh my god! <laughs> it was on like the front page of the. Someday your kids are going to see those pictures. No, like, no, 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 no! Cow, dad! <laughs> Unbelievable! I can't find them. I think you deleted it. 
Oh, really? Good job. Maybe. When I switched from photography to retouching, I got rid of a lot of my photography stuff because I didn't necessarily want the two to be associated with each other. Hmm. I didn't want them to cross. Yeah. yeah. So what advice do you have for retouchers that want to get into the, the business and start competing against you? Do everything wrong. <laughs> make mistakes. Yeah, learn. make mistakes. Yeah, you learn. learn from the mistakes, and that's that's kind of how you get better, really. That's good advice. Do everything wrong. Yeah. What's well, good advice? Yeah, start yeah. with the basics. Do it wrong. You'll get it right. Someday. <laughs> do it wrong. You'll we get it right. We should try that. Yeah. You write that down? Do it wrong. You're going to get it right. Yeah. <laughs> you kidding? Matt's already doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> he, doesn't need to, he doesn't need to write that down. He's already there. Yeah. <laughs> look at him now. He's here. Yeah. Success. Yeah. <laughs> Well, David, thank you so much for stopping by. Thank um, you for hopefully, we me. can uh, crack a pint later. Yeah, and, definitely. Uh, yeah, I'll have a glass drink. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're driving. That's yeah. right. No, you're staying tonight. You, you can gotta, have one. You got to drink this five liter. I'm already thing drinking. Yeah. All right. Well, then that, that's yeah. fine too. All right. Cool. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. All right. Yeah, thanks well, for having me. So check yeah. out David Nealon's website. And what's your website again? DavidNealon's.co.uk. .co.uk. All right. To download this episode and the entire season, go to rggedupodcast.com. And also subscribe to us on iTunes where we publish a new episode every Wednesday. It's the hump day. It's the hump day. day. Best day of the week. Yeah. Hump day. Maybe. Mm, Friday. That's actually Taco Tuesday is the best day of the week. Oh, tacos. We should get tacos. Do you guys do tacos well over here? Not really. Yeah. You guys do Indian food really well. Yeah. Yeah, Brits cannot do tacos. National dishes like Indian food. Yeah. 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 That's good though. I love Indian food. Yeah. Maybe we should get Indian food tonight. Yes. Yeah, there's loads of great curry houses in Birmingham. Yeah. Yeah. Birmingham. 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 All right. Cheers. Hell, we got to get out of here, but I think we're stuck in this accent still. We are. St- well, I'm not stuck. Oh, hell, my feet are stuck to the ground. Something's stuck. Broken record. All right. So that was a good podcast. Now we're in, Now we're in the out- outro. Right. Still, this is the part st- where we say goodbye, but we want to impart some additional information to you. Rob, why is it good for photographers to know everything there is to know about post-production? <sighs> well, one, so they can do it. They can make their images <laughs> that's, better. That's a good one. That's, that's why. That's, that's, the, that's really that's the only one. number one. No, number two is if you don't want to do it yourself, but you want to be able to speak to the people who do execute all that post-production magic, you got to be able to speak the language to them. You, you need the lingo. You need the verbiage. That's right. You need to have the words. Use your words, Gary. You need to have words in order that make sense to the person receiving said words. That's exactly what I'm saying. So we've put together a lot of words and moving pictures into education. They're called talkies. They're called talkie tutorials. (laughs) And we've got all of them now. And streaming access That's at right. you, you, can get them, you can get them all, look at them whenever you want. You don't have to download them. You can stream them. Rob, we should give away the best hits of Reba McIntyre with everyone that signs up for a yearly subscription. What do you think? I think I think that's a good idea. We'll send you a record and one of them new fancy di- what digital downloads. We should send them a DVD. That's not how it works. Oh, why not? DVDs for video, Rob. Music is we make, on something called We make CDs. videos. Let's have a Reba video. Maybe a special concert just with Reba singing to our fans. God damn it, Rob. You're full of great ideas. We can go to Vegas and we could film Reba doing a concert just for the pro-EDU community. Oh, maybe I, she could write a song about pro-EDU and maybe she could give us a jingle. I've got high hopes for this company. I do too. I got real high hopes. Pro-EDU is now unlimited. Get access to every single tutorial. 
Sign up at ProEDU.com today. About you, I'll take comfort in that. This podcast is officially over. See you next time. Never stop learning.